0: I hope the president's watching. Not the Gary Hoffman. This guy is a petulant child. That's what he is. Shannon Farron.
1: Oh, girl, it's cold like that.
0: Gary and Shannon. What? No. Yeah. We are going to kick your rear end out of the White House. Come this far. But tell me what you've done for me.
2: If you're on a uh, first date with somebody yeah. and they show you uh, a mass shooting in a synagogue, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that that is a red flag.
3: Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing funny about it. There's no context in which you would go... There's nothing
2: you can explain that away with.
3: Yeah, but I understand why he showed it to me. There's no, There's no... There is no explanation for that.
2: We will get into the dark, dark past of that Dayton shooter. There's also a good story that came out of this when we look at what happened in that El Paso Walmart with an employee that looks like helped up to 100 people to escape.
3: And we've obviously been busy for the last uh, 72, 96 hours with all of what's gone on in El Paso and in Dayton, but North Korea continues to ramp up its weapons demonstrations, fired a couple of uh, short-range ballistic missiles into the ocean today, lashing out at the United States and South Korea for the uh, military exercises. If you remember, President Trump said that we would continue our military exercises with South Korea. We would just kind of keep them more quiet. We would just not be as aggressive, perhaps. Uh, North Korea obviously knows that they're going on, and they uh, continue to... uh, continue to try to make some sort of a demonstration against that. And as you heard uh, you heard Tessa mention Nobel laureate Toni Morrison has died at the age of uh, 88.
2: Such a critical and commercial success. Sometimes authors are hailed as geniuses in literary community but doesn't translate to mainstream America. Her she uh, she achieved both those things. Yeah.
3: All right. Um, we can, we get into the stories of the shootings in El Paso and Dayton first by saying the president is expected to visit both places uh, tomorrow. And uh, the schedule itself, in terms of exactly what's going to go on, hasn't been released by the White House. There was an event that the president was supposed to do today in Florida, I believe, that has been canceled. Uh, and that's, at this point, there are no public events on the president's schedule. So
2: I wanted to mention this, that just across uh, the wire, we told you about Gavin Newsom changing the election law in California. So you have to show your tax returns. Today, the Trump campaign and the Republican Party both suing over that California law that requires candidates to release the tax returns to run in the primary.
3: uh, We've seen a lot of pushback, uh, a lot of um, reaction, I guess, to the shootings in El Paso and in Dayton along the lines of people trying to come up with ways to prevent this in the future. The governor of Ohio, Republican Governor Mike DeWine, says that uh, his state needs to do more while balancing people's rights to own firearms and have due process. He outlined a series of legislative actions. He specifically has gone on and said that there is a 17-point plan that he has for the state of Ohio. Uh, One of the big deals for him is that he wants to institute what would be considered, depending on what you call them, red flag laws.
2: I love... The idea of a red flag law if it's used correctly, but unfortunately it will not be used correctly. You're going to have disgruntled girlfriends, spouses, whomever calling in people that they just want to hassle. Well, this is, And how do you protect against that? How, how how do you put a red flag law in where if you're showing me troubling behavior and I think you're going to be a danger to yourself or to anybody else, I can call. And, and then how does that get verified? What would question. be the protocol?
3: Well, Lindsey Graham is also speaking about this and said that he's trying to work on something on a federal level that wouldn't be a federal red flag law, but it would offer federal grants for, for states that did this. And this is his explanation from yesterday.
4: Here's what we do. This is- is not going to be a federal law to be a federal grant program. Uh, To get the federal grant, you have to have due process. There has to be an imminent threat of harm to oneself or to others before the police. And it can only be the police can go to a judge. You have a hearing. You got to have more likely than not standard that there's an imminent threat of bodily injury. Seven days later, you have a full blown hearing clear and convincing evidence where the gun owner can come in and defend themselves and the government has to prove by clear and convincing evidence that the person is disturbed, a danger to themselves or others, and if that test is met, they can seize the guns and get the person the help they need. And, and part-
3: now, he goes on to describe the situation in Florida where the shooter at the Parkland High School had been contacted by police dozens of times and never once had weapons taken away from him. And that has since changed. I know Florida's instituted some sort of red flag laws. We have red flag laws here in California. Now, according to Lindsey Graham's idea, it's only police that would be able to do this, as opposed to family, co-workers something like that, where where someone who is close, intimately, depending on what level you know you want to go and their relationship, that that person would be able to go to. A law enforcement agency to the courts of whatever petition to get the weapons taken away originally. And then within 72 hours, you sort of have that emergency response where that person can then answer to those charges, charges, answers to the uh, to those concerns so the, i guess the, in court so
2: the guns are taken away i think he said seven days later would be the hearing
3: yeah that's and again this is all i think all of that stuff is sort of fungible it's right, gonna right, be right. you know it's and it will but depend on the guns on are taken state. away
2: immediately like the person does not get to defend themselves
3: well not right away yeah you yeah. can't you can't prevent the officers whoever whatever agency it is that you can't prevent them from taking your weapons immediately but within 72 hours or whatever you have the opportunity to Defend yourself or yeah. you know, hear your case. The, there's a couple of things. It makes perfect sense. I mean, when sure. you look at the red flags that we talk about, every single one of these instances where these people have been telling us that they're violent. They've been telling us that they're obsessed with these previous shootings, that they're obsessed with uh, getting revenge or feeling bullied or feeling suicidal. We've We've seen all of these indications in most of these people. So... That is clearly why we need some sort of a law like this. But like you said, it can be abused. And the other thing is, if you're already dealing with somebody who we know is suicidal, who's infatuated with death or killing or getting revenge or something like that, and you put the added pressure on them that they know that law enforcement is coming to take their weapons from them. Then we also put law enforcement officers' lives right. at risk, uh, lives true. at risk, because because they're in the ultimately high pressure situation of taking weapons away from somebody. That's different than escorting somebody to court, serving somebody papers, evicting somebody. You're talking about going after what this person deems is their only way to be valuable. Perhaps is to be uh, armed and dangerous. It's, it's just
2: a... the other troubling thing are these background checks that are not background checks. Well, yeah. How do you? Why isn't that on that kid's record that he that the, the Dayton shooter? I don't I still don't understand you,
3: like the rape list and the kill list, the that rape he had? list
2: and the kill list in high school Yeah. as a high school student. That should be something that stays with you. That should be something that's flagged in a background check for a gun. You know, and, and and I was reading this morning that that most gun owners, I want to say it's in the eighty eighty seven percent range, support universal background checks and well, expanding listen, them. And, and, and I f- think that they should. I think that if if I want to hold on to my guns, let's keep them away from the crazy asses.
3: If you looked at the numbers, by the way, of the the numbers of, I'm going to use the general term here. Don't write me. You want a number? The number of assault weapons, right? When you close your eyes and picture an assault weapon, there are probably 15 million of those types of long guns in the United States. 15 million of them, probably. That's a conservative estimate. And there are 10 of them that are used in these mass shootings over the course of the year. So that leaves the other 15 million, minus 10... That are not used in this way, but they're the, the that specific type of weapon is the one that is demonized and talked about all the time when it does. I mean, that the numbers don't make sense there, but the numbers and when it comes to background checks, of course, the mass vast majority of the 15 million people who own those types of weapons would be willing to go through a background check because they know they're
2: not going to use right. the gun that way. They know that there's nothing to worry about.
3: Um, speaking of the shooter from Dayton. The darkness. Oh my gosh! Don't don't give me a BS line about oh it's just art. I'll tell you about the band that this guy was in.
2: This is terrible. This is a whole genre called porno grind. That it's not just songs about raping and killing women. It's the cover art that shows the rape and massacre of female bodies. It's just it's insane. And one of the bandmates is trying to defend this art.
3: Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment.
0: KFI AM 640. Back to Gary and Shannon with Gary Hoffman and Shannon Farron.
5: Keeping an
3: eye on uh, Wall Street today. Yesterday we saw the Dow drop almost 800 points. It's gotten back some of that today. It's up about 139 points right now. President said uh, this ongoing tariff battle with China could last could last at least into 2020. We've been talking about the shootings in El Paso and uh, Dayton Ohio.
2: Learning more about the background of these shooters, it looks like the El Paso shooter did go on a racist rant that he posted shortly before he opened fire but the motive is unclear, more unclear in Dayton
3: yeah the, the dayton is weird because the guy also killed his sister uh and I guess her boyfriend that that so we don't know if she was targeted. It seems really bizarre if it was just an accidental circumstance that she that he shot her.
2: He was said to be deeply involved in the misogynistic male dominated gore grind or porno grind extreme metal music scene. apparently it's pretty big in the midwest and it is known for sexually violent death obsessed lyrics and he, just complete degre- degradation of women. He
3: uh, he was uh, I guess the vocalist in a band and th- to be honest, I don't think I don't think we can read a lot of the album titles.
2: Well, one nor- album was titled Six Ways of Female Butchery. Right. The other o- the other ones we can't really uh say so.
3: there's there's something to be said about the whole death metal gore grind uh, the descriptions of of death and dead bodies and decay and corpses and all of that stuff it's nasty It it's not for me it's not for you it's a very specific group of people who find that stuff entertaining but the idea that you would then defend what it is specifically this porno grind stuff there's there's one guy I named Ryan. Yeah, I
2: mean, there's gore, and then there's I think uh, like criminal gore <laughs> when you're talking about the the things that they're talking about doing. They're talking women. about you raping know, I, and mutilating. I, women. I, I I love a Stephen King novel. It's gory as hell, but that's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. The 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 gore the, the porno grind takes it to a different level.
3: Um, There are groups that are trying to discredit this guy or distance themselves from him. One one guy named Ryan Ward talked to Vice, and he plays in a band called Sea Torch. But anyway, he says that this backlash is similar to how Marilyn Manson and South Park were blamed for the Columbine shootings, although... This is weird because this isn't a fan of those. This is a guy who was involved in one of these bands, and he says it's hard to believe. Listen to this. He says he finds it hard to believe the dehumanization portrayed in the music contributed to an environment in which the shooter felt desensitized enough to commit actual violence himself, including to shooting uh, shooting to death his own sister and her boyfriend.
2: Here is this quote. Part of the music is you want to figure out how figure out ways to portray people being dehumanized as much as possible or you know degraded and sexual dehumanization and object objectification is a big way of doing that if for some reason the music he made or whatever somehow did do that for him i feel that it's an exception not the rule when it comes to people making this music okay,
3: but the whole thing about figuring out ways to portray people as being dehumanized or degraded there's no point where you think to yourself hey Maybe this isn't the healthiest way for me to spend my time.
2: Not just that, but who is it going to influence? If you're fine with it, if you're just doing it for shock value, that's one thing. But you're also putting out content that could spur somebody to do this to people. One of his bandmates is taking the recordings down. He says he's removing them out of the fear of the vulgar music he produced will make a real cult hero out of the murderer. He's also received some death threats online because of his association with the shooter. He says he's been making this music for more than five years, mostly did it as a joke, but is now sickened that the shooter took it so seriously.
3: Yeah, but I wonder if if that's enough to make him stop to make him realize what it is that he produces
6: i
2: don't think he's going to do it anymore this kid actually sounds pretty freaked out
3: and by the way the the descriptions of this musical community if you want to call it that is that all of this is taken uh with a grain of salt and these uh, these images of degradation and rape and mutilation and all of these things are just uh sort of a dark poetry and that really the people in the community are just nice people listen if this is the way that you entertain yourself, you need to do some more self uh self-reflection. All right? Uh-huh. You need to spend some time in a poppy field somewhere thinking about bunnies and birdies and not yeah. raping and mutilating people. Is that wrong? I mean it's no, and it's that's so uh, true. Listen,
2: I and the like, idea. Could you imagine uh, going to a concert? and listening to those lyrics don't judge me
3: for my musical choice no no we we need to start judging people for the choices that they're making
2: your mindset is the content you feed yourself everything you watch everything you listen to everyone you hang out with all the stuff that you import into your mind has an effect on your mind
3: and it's not even to say listen all of us have dark thoughts. All of us have right. bad thoughts at some point. The problem is we don't then dwell on it and go, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to take some. To- I'm going to carve some time out of my day and figure out the best way to degrade and dehumanize somebody." Huh? I might even need a Snickers bar while I'm doing it.
2: Morons! God, I knew that there were dark corners of the internet, but this morning but you can't.
3: You, holy! Hell. If all you did was look at the names yeah. of the of the bands,
2: yeah. We can't even read them.
3: You would be sad for humanity.
2: Groin Mallet is the only one we could read. That's the one I thought was the funniest. Not Bill Nye, the Nazi spy? That's lame. What about Necro... Never mind. It's a whole whole sick world out there.
3: Sidelight on this. Some tech companies are looking at how it is they may be the vehicle for a lot of this online hate speech. We'll talk about what they're doing when we come back.
2: Gary and Shannon.
1: We're back
0: with... Gary Hoffman and Shannon Vera, Gary and Shannon on KFI AM 640.
3: President's going to be visiting both El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio tomorrow, according to the White House. They haven't put out an official schedule yet, but uh, in fact, the president doesn't have any public events that we know of scheduled for today. But he will be talking with uh, community leaders in El Paso and Dayton about the uh, shootings that took place over the weekend. The unfortunate uh, an unfortunate angle of this is the, uh, the impact that the Internet has had, especially on these recent shootings, in that a lot of times we're seeing some of the red flags that we've been mentioning in terms of violent uh, uh, ideation, the violent ideologies of some of these people, even, even discussions of how it is that they're going to perpetrate their attacks end up on the Internet. And call it a manifesto if you want to. I think that adds too much credibility to this just absolute ridiculous speech of the guy in El Paso. But they talk about it and they put it on the internet. And one of the one of the places that they they have been able to do that is this anonymous message board called 8chan. Well, it was sort of uh, blacked out a couple of times over the last couple of days, and in fact went offline yesterday. The news of the the guy's manifesto having been posted on 8chan, of course, spread across the Internet. A bunch of people decided that they wanted to read it to see if they could figure out what this guy was, or some people wanted to determine his political motivations, which is total BS. You can't ascribe politics to people who are crazy. And now we're seeing some pushback to some of those anonymous message boards to try to clamp down on the most hateful and violent rhetoric that they see on their message boards.
2: Gwen Snyder is a writer in Philadelphia. She researches far-right extremism. And she started the hashtag Untwitter8chan. She wants to prevent its users from reassembling through convincing Twitter to axe its account. Because as we said, it's like a whack-a-mole situation. 8chan goes dark and they're going to pop up somewhere else. She said tech companies have a moral responsibility to deplatform Nazis. Otherwise, they're amplifying their message. A spokesperson for Twitter said regarding the company's hate speech policy that the company is proactively removing content that violates our policies and will be engaged with law enforcement as appropriate.
3: Listen, I would say this in defense. Uh, defense is not the right word. Uh, to, to clarify what happened on Saturday morning, the timeline that we've seen is that the shooter in El Paso posted something on 8chan saying along the lines, uh, "I I will probably be dead soon. Like I'm going to die today." And then his long writings about what he believed was an invasion, et cetera, et cetera, who he was going to target, but he didn't have anything about the where the who he was, they were because it's an anonymous board, uh, the target he was looking at or anything, that law enforcement actually did see this posting. It was brought to their attention before the shooting happened. But without those very important clues, they couldn't do anything or powerless to stop the actual attack.
2: I would bet you, though, it wasn't the first time he went on 8chan with some sort of rambling like this. Right.
3: Well, it's that's the thing is, but hiding behind the an- anonymity of a keyboard like that, you could talk about, y- you could uh, feel like people are supporting you because of the words that they send to you. Ah, you got that right. Yeah, it's time we kill them all, or whatever. When in fact, if that person who wrote that had been exposed to sunlight or was not anonymous they would never express that same uh, positive reaction.
2: I think we need to deploy more resources to these channels and finding out who these people are, identifying them and keeping tabs on them. We continue to, as the Washington Post wrote this morning, employ a staggering arsenal of armed forces, unmanned drones, intelligence agencies, everything for Islamic terrorism that's claimed about 100 lives since since 9-11. There is not even close to the amount of power directed towards this threat of these guys who are just breeding online with their hate and it's an echo chamber and they're emboldening each other and i think that now it's time to look at our priorities and i i don't think totally my opinion here i don't
3: think we can separate an organization no uh, a community like something like a porno grind community I know that the vast majority of people who are in that community would never do anything like this. I get it. But why would you even identify or associate with a community that would give somebody like that safe harbor? I'm not saying that they wouldn't turn them in, but where that person would feel comfortable, where that person would feel like these are my brothers. Like this is we're all in this thing together
2: because they're 22 year old kids. They're idiots. Their brains aren't developed. I'm sure a lot of the guys who are into the porno grind scene right now in 10 years will look back and go, oh, God, that was a dark time. I was really looking for myself, and that wasn't it.
3: And I did, hopefully, didn't find myself there. Right. What if 10 years from now they're like, yeah, that, now they become a producer of records, and I'm sad. now. You've made me very sad.
2: You made me sad with the field of poppies and the bunnies.
3: Why can't we have some sort of a year of service like they do in Israel or Mormons? Where when you t- fine Mormons, that's great. Mormons and Jews together. We should get them together and do Rum Springa. Uh, I think those are Quakers, actually. <laughs> yeah, but there's got to be somebody. There's got to be a way to get you, you beings, anybody under the age of twenty-five to
2: get out of your own head. Yeah. A, a experience year of service life. sounds great. It yeah. doesn't like, have go, to be like, military. No, you can go to... do something for somebody. You know, go build houses or, you know, go to Romania and talk about God. A
3: barn raising of some kind.
2: Maybe barn raising. A spiritual. Maybe you live on a farm. Barn
3: raising. Maybe you live in that field of poppies. Bunnies.
2: All right. Coming up next.
3: Why don't they ever ask us?
2: I don't know. I don't know. That's why we should throw our hats in the ring for 2020. Our platform could be poppies and bunnies. in a year of service. Tear in the skies when we come back.
3: Gary and Channel will continue. I hope there's
2: no more drunk pilots.
3: Mm, <laughs> it seems to be we've had a uh, we've had a string of those, haven't we? Lord.
0: yourself and you go by in the KFI AM six forty, Gary Hoffman. Shannon Farron, back to Gary and Shannon.
3: Well, let's clear up some of the uh, information that's being spat around online. Um, Twitter has been talking about the Burbank Walmart. It is Burbank Drive Walmart somewhere in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, not here in California.
2: The... Police there in Baton Rouge say that they were responding to a shooting inside that Baton Rouge Walmart that was around noon. Massive law enforcement presence there, helicopter, the whole bit. But the sheriff's office says the incident is not being considered an active shooting situation at this time. One person was taken to the hospital.
3: Yeah, uh, and again, the, some, some tweets, some news agencies are, respond, are re- referring to this as the Burbank Walmart. That is not here. That is not Burbank, California. It's Burbank Drive in Baton, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right, just to clear that up. Uh, the top of the hour, we're going to talk about this uh, a little bit more about that fugitive we told you about yesterday, Peter Chadwick, suspected of killing his wife seven years ago. He is going to be back in California. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But it's time for uh, Terror in the Skies.
1: Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger,
0: Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI.
2: Well, 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 let's start with Justin's story, shall we?
3: Yeah. Justin. Justin Riley Bradford.
2: Justin was on a Southwest flight back in October of 2018, 29 years old, and there was a lovely lady sitting next to him, and he uh, he made a pass. He uh, (laughs)
3: He played footsies
2: with her? He did that, too. He uh, (laughs) was flirting, playing footsies. She said, knock it off, and requested a new seat. Knock it off! And the flight attendant apparently laid in to Justin. So he didn't like it. So he threw a profanity-laced tantrum in the attendant's face for about 30 seconds then sat down and was quiet for the rest of the flight. Well, passengers and other crew members were said to be intimidated by Justin's belligerent manner. And so the pilot diverted the flight to Albuquerque, where the FBI arrested him. Now, Justin's remained behind bars since.
3: Wow. He's been there for more than a
2: year. He's charged with interfering with a flight crew, a felony. Wow. Also says for almost a year, I guess that you know it was an assault by by the footsies. Now he says the government just wants to punish him for merely deviating from the socially acceptable norms of airline travel. And I gotta say, I agree. Okay. I don't think you should be in jail for a year for playing footsie with a stranger on a Southwest flight
3: what if it was a american airlines flight um are you suggesting that the different airlines have different levels of physical uncomfortability i
2: think so i think on southwest flights everyone's cool like it's more of a family atmosphere so i think footsie flies more often i think if you're on an american or united flight you're pissed off so i wouldn't go for footsies on one of those flights here's the thing definitely not united
3: about air travel though i don't I, I've always – I'm not a huge air traveler. I think the first airplane ride I took, I mean, in a commercial airliner, was when I was 18 years old, maybe 19. Yeah. I get it. But I was always told
2: – Keep your shoes this is on. Not, this,
3: <laughs> keep your <laughs> shoes on. This is not a place for you to be all jokey, happy, funny, no crazy bomb jokes. Don't – you know, the flight attendants are the ones who are in charge here, so let's make sure that you don't raise your voice – that's never been an issue. That's never been a question. This guy's talking about... Uh, um,
2: I have a picture of you on a flight Yeah, wearing a facial right. skincare mask. What does that
3: have to do with me being well, getting in the way of the
2: flight crew? <laughs> I thought that your rule, though, to go back to the rule that you put in place for yourself, is not to have fun and be jokey-jokey on an airplane. Yet I have a picture of you in a with, I think, a scrunchie on... As well, I don't have a scrunchie
3: on. I don't have enough hair you have for a, po- a scrunchie. You
2: have a ponytail of I some do kind. Not. I think you do. Negative. I'll You're making look stuff through up it. There.
3: But this guy's complaining that the federal <laughs> law is vague and unconstitutional. He said he didn't make any threats. didn't lay a finger on the flight attendant. But sitting there for thirty seconds, screaming face to face with a flight attendant in the aisle of the airplane, I'm getting
2: into the cloud Uh-oh. to find this, this and I'll is... post it.
3: <laughs> Great. Um, he is an admitted drug addict. He had been released from a state prison here in California on parole days before he was scheduled to travel to Dallas to move in with his aunt. Uh, he admitted that he put his arm on the leg of a woman sitting next to him. She asked him to stop, but he continued, resting his head on her shoulder, tugging at her sweater, rubbing his feet against hers. He asked her for her name, where she lived, And if she was staying alone in her hotel room.
2: Yeah, keep him in jail. Yeah. Guys. Footsies no fly here, Shannon. You're so strict. I know. Nobody can have any fun anymore. Or a scrunchie, apparently. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there was a ponytail situation.
3: There was not a ponytail situation. By the way, a uh, private jet that was carrying the manager and crew for Pink. Crash landed, burst into flames in Denmark after her performance in Norway last night. But everyone
2: was okay, right?
3: Everyone was fine, amazingly. Ten people on board in the Cessna 560XL caught fire on approach, made a crash landing. Fire was raging on its left-hand side. They call that, in airplane terminology, the port side. Pink was not on the airplane, but everybody else was. I guess it was part of her crew one British national four Americans two Australians two crew members from Germany one from Austria the United Nations apparently of airplanes went down uh, but everyone is okay all
2: right coming up next we will get an update on that fugitive capture story coming out of Orange County when we return to Gary and Shannon every time
6: I close my eyes too tight, it's the fall of night
2: Gary and Shannon, we are hearing some stories about heroes when it comes to the El Paso shooting at the Walmart with one of the managers there hiding people in large containers. There's a bar manager in Dayton, Ohio, that's talking about how the employees worked quickly to save lives there. The bouncer at the front alerted the staff, hustled crowds of people out the back way. The stories of the heroes should be told as well.
3: The president is expected to, uh, to visit both Texas and Ohio tomorrow uh, in response to the shootings. We'll, of course, cover that when that happens tomorrow. There's no public events that the president has scheduled today. We're also getting word of some sort of an event at the Baton Rouge Walmart. Police uh, have responded, and there were different reports that it may have been an active shooter situation, although... Baton Rouge police have said they don't consider this an active shooter situation. One person has been taken to the hospital, believed to have been injured in the shooting, but we don't know anything about the condition. Uh, It's been going on for some time, but apparently they're having a hard time getting information out about this, uh, uh, whatever it is that's gone on, the shooting at the Walmart in Baton Rouge.
2: Also, the uh, Trump campaign and Republican Party have sued California over this new law that requires presidential candidates to release their tax returns. The two lawsuits filed this morning argue the law is unconstitutional. And I think, as we discussed last week, they will be successful.
3: Huge kudos to the uh, Newport Beach Police Department. They uh, have taken to uh, the Internet a couple of times now to try to breathes some life into some cold cases.
2: Peter Chadwick has been on the run for seven years after his wife was murdered. They lived in Newport Beach. They were together for 17 years. They had kids. And he was arrested for her murder. He, he had some crazy story that there was um, uh, a guy who helped around the house named Juan that had... Yeah.
3: That had killed, killed
2: her. her and then forced him to drive her body to Mexico. Uh,
3: it was October 10th, 2012, and nobody picked up their kids from school at the time. The boys were aged nine and 12, and uh, they were left waiting after everybody else went home. The 12-year-old had a cell phone, but nobody answered. He called mom and dad. Uh, I guess they have a, a third brother, the older brother, away at a boarding school. A concerned neighbor sees the kids, drives them home herself, but... Nobody comes to the door when she goes to drop them off, and they didn't have a key. Well, uh, worried about leaving the boys on their uh, their own, she takes them back to her house, makes them dinner, calls the parents, and still can't get an answer from either mom or dad, so she calls the police. When cops show up, they find food, they find plates set out on the counter as if someone was there to make lunch.
2: They also notice that the safe in the home had been left ajar. Uh Uh-oh. A glass vase next to the hot tub in the master bedroom had been broken, and the wall had been splashed with barely visible droplets of blood. But the couple was no a key.
3: Yeah. So the next morning, early the next morning, Peter calls nine one one from a gas station four miles north of the border in uh, in San Diego.
1: Listen. I have an emergency. This is Crystal. Yeah, my wife. My wife's dead. Okay. So where exactly is she? they took her they took her who took her the guy broke into my house he, he drove me here he, he had a friend they they just gone they, they've gone in the pickup truck okay so your wife dead that she's dead oh so They, they, they killed her in the house they, they, and then they, they took they, her corpse
7: yeah they, they, they killed killed her uh, yesterday he said
4: that very excited. he
2: had this handyman named Juan that he had hired to paint staircase railings in their home. And he told police he'd been working in his home office when he heard his wife scream and ran to the master bedroom where he found Juan holding the wife underwater in the bathtub. He said he hadn't been strong enough to fight the man off. And that after drowning his wife, he said, Juan held a knife to his throat and forced him to empty jewelry, valuables, and $10,000 in cash from the safe. Then Juan had sat in the back seat of Peter's Lexus, along with the the naked body of his wife, and had him drive for hours.
3: Yeah. Now, detectives were skeptical from the beginning. Because, first of all, Peter couldn't remember any of the details about this guy who had supposedly abducted him and killed his wife, even though he was a handyman who was helping around the house. Uh, asked about the weapon that the man threatened to kill him with. Described a two-inch Swiss Army knife with a dull blade. It was weird that... Now, I played for you that 911 call. He didn't cry. He didn't cry. When they finally caught up to him, when San Diego police found him, he had some uh, some bite marks on his body and some scratches. Oh, and some dried blood on his hands. Oh, and a suitcase. In the back of his car that had been packed
2: so when they dug into the, the the couple's relationship it looked like they did not have the good relationship that it appeared on the outside they learned that she frequently broke down in tears because her husband wasn't affectionate with her that she knew that he wasn't faithful to her but chose not to leave the relationship because they had the kids In her closet, they found a handwritten list titled, From Peter's Computer, which appeared to be a list of search terms. Here they are. Abortion cost in California. Chinese massage girls escort. Team Tijuana escort girls. And also, how to torture.
8: Well
3: uh he turns out he had no prior criminal record judge determined that he was not a flight risk uh he pleads not guilty posts a million dollars bail surrenders both of his passports british and american and while he's awaiting trial he said he was going to apparently live with his father i think it was didn't show up for a routine hearing and at first people were concerned that he killed himself but then When U.S. Marshals went to look for him, they realized that he had drained all of the money from his bank accounts that he could still access, taken out the maximum cash advance on several credit cards, taken a couple of test trips, they said, to Pennsylvania and to Seattle before he disappeared for good. They knew that he had international ties, Malaysia, Australia, United Kingdom, traveled all over the world, but they predicted that sooner or later that they were going to catch up with him. So one of the things that they did was... They put out a podcast, and it was called Countdown to Capture. This was about almost a year ago now that they put this out. About six, uh, six episodes it was, and each one of the episodes ended with just basically a call out to Peter Chadwick, which was, we will find you. Here's one of the detectives with this message at the end of the podcast.
7: Think about the impact you've had on these three boys. Make the decision now to stop this and begin to make amends with your sons. For once, make a decision for someone other than yourself. You and I both know you fled because you can't look your sons in the eyes. This is your chance to turn yourself in and end this. It's time to think of someone other than yourself and what benefits you. Think about your boys. Peter, we are coming for you. This begins your countdown to capture.
3: Like that, Uh, that's crazy. Like I tell it, talking directly to you that we will find you. So they have found him, they've picked him up in Mexico. Just a short time ago, the Orange County DA's office held a news conference. A little bit later in the show, Chris Ancarlo is going to join us, and we're going to go through this whole story and talk about what they found and how they got him.
2: Hey, have you heard about the Emoji House in Manhattan Beach? I saw the picture of it, yes. I love stories like this where people get so angry over mm. the stupidest S because uh, they're so rich and they have no problems.
3: Having been on a Homeowners Association board before, of course you were. I can say it's a waste of time.
2: Oh, that sounds like my <laughs> idea of torture right there. It was pretty Sitting good. Sitting through one of those meetings would be unbearable. We
3: got forced into it because if we didn't, then the state was going to take over our HOA.
1: Of
6: course. <sighs>
3: All right. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment.
1: KFI AM
4: 640.
0: Back to Gary and Shannon with Gary Hoffman and Shannon Farron.
2: That headline about the FBI calling these shootings domestic terrorism, despite there being no crime, there's no, there's no crime that's mm. called domestic terrorism. They won't be charged as terrorists.
3: That's weird, because that's clearly what it is. Isn't it? It's yeah. Just that there's no <clears throat> statute for that. We're still trying to get information about what's going on at the Walmart in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There was a report of a shooting, but the idea that it was an active shooter has apparently been pushed back upon by Baton Rouge police, although they did say one person has been taken to a hospital. Um, so we'll try to get some more information on that. Also, the updates on the, uh, the other shootings, the ones in El Paso and Dayton, are that the, uh, the president is expected to visit both places tomorrow. And uh, make some comments. And, of course, we will follow that when he, uh, when he makes his way to those two states tomorrow.
2: Well, there's a fight brewing in Manhattan Beach. It's all over what they're calling the Emoji House. And apparently the emojis, the brightly colored emojis painted on this house on 39th Street, stem from a property dispute. This is in the El Porto neighborhood, and uh, the paint job appeared shortly after the woman who owns the house was found in violation of the city's rental laws and was fined $4,000.
3: Catherine Kidd owns the house, and she's responsible for putting these two emoji faces on there. (laughs) I love the way that the L.A. Times describes I don't know if they're trying to be cool or if they're trying to be flippant. An emoji on the duplex's top floor shows one smiling face with its tongue sticking out and eyes looking in different directions, crowned by long, bold eyelashes. Another, on the lower level, shares the same eyes and lashes, but has a zipper across the mouth representing the shut up emoji.
2: (laughs) Is there anything worse than a verbal description of an emoji? <laughs>
3: By the way, the woman who, who originally turned in this uh, homeowner for renting out her house as an Airbnb, allegedly, Susan Wyland, she says she was wearing eyelash extensions uh, the one time she met the homeowner, and that the eyelash extensions that you see on the emojis are meant to be her, and therefore, this is bullying.
2: No, she didn't say that. Oh, it's 100%. She said it's bullying because of the emoji lashes?
3: It's bullying. She says it's almost like they're afraid of her, they being the city council. And we really feel it's our city's responsibility to have these regulations in place because people can do anything. That's the most frightening thing. I feel like we're not being protected. Oh, my God.
2: For the love of God. They're freaking emojis. And the eyelashes are on point on the emojis. Uh, The city attorney there, Mike Estrada, (laughs) explained to commission members that the city had very little, if any, jurisdiction over murals painted on private property with no public funding or public involvement. They're going to actually spend some time today talking about this. One city council member even recommended that the neighbors consider suing this woman themselves.
3: Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Here's the one argument that they might have. They might have.
2: I think it's hilarious.
3: This could be considered a public safety issue or a public nuisance because people stop and take pictures in front of the house. And if they're stopping in the middle of traffic right out there on the street that it happens to be on... I'm not going to tell you. You know where it is. You can find it. Then, yeah, I get it. I get why neighbors would be mad about that. But Um, they're not going to get it. They're not going to convince the city council to take it down because one woman feels bullied because the two emojis have eyelash extensions.
2: um, Did you see this quote from the woman named Carol, who's lived on the street since 1998? No. Plans to attend tonight's council meeting? She said the situation could quickly become a slippery slope. If the city continued to cower behind freedom of speech, she says, "If the city allows these emojis, she wonders if they would allow some of the more extreme ones no, such as the poop emoji. you
1: stop
3: right there <laughs> We will not have poop emojis in my city poop emojis. <laughs>
2: Oh my god, people are so ridiculous. And
3: here's the thing, uh, I'm just assuming the city council is not gonna have any fun with this. They're gonna take this so seriously and no I one's they are. no one's they gonna are. stand up and, and slap say,
2: their and, forehead. And say perspective. Yeah. And say perspective. We are too we're all too damn rich and we have no perspective and we need to develop some real problems if this is what we're talking about. A freaking poop emoji being like the, the, the horror of Manhattan Beach.
3: Well, we're going to go straight to the 1987 file and talk with Matthew Broderick's character from War Games because a kid in Riverside has broken into his school computer and changed grades. I did that. You broke in with a computer? Well... I want to hear more when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue.
6: So let's hang an anchor from the sun There's a million city lights, but you're number one. You're the reason I'm still.
0: We're back with Gary Hoffman and Shannon Barron. Gary and Shannon, on KFI AM 640.
2: FBI opening a domestic terrorism investigation into the shooting at Gilroy at the Garlic Festival that killed three people injured at 13.
9: Update
3: on the uh, situation out of that Walmart I mentioned in Baton Rouge. According to the sheriff there. The shooting resulted from an altercation inside the store near the customer service area. At some point, two suspects pulled guns out at each other and shot each other. man standing in line was uh, shot at least twice, taken to a local hospital in a private car. The victim, a 40-year-old man, one suspect taken into custody. They're still looking for a second man involved, who they say may have left in a light-colored sedan. Um, one handgun located at the scene. Again, that was a uh, a Walmart in Baton Rouge today.
2: High school student in Riverside could face felony charges after authorities say he tricked his teachers into revealing their computer login information to fix his grades and screw with some other classmates' grades as well.
3: David Lightman was the name of Matthew Broderick's uh, character from War Games. Yes. I did not remember that.
2: The police have asked the county probation department to charge this 15-year-old with computer intrusion saying that he posed as a high-ranking administrative official requesting teachers' usernames and passwords for the school computer system. Do
3: you remember how David Lightman got it from the movie War Games, how he got the password into the system? No. It was written down on the little, the debt, like you yeah. open the drawer and it was written down there. And he yeah. went home
2: and... I think people did that a lot back then. In this case,
3: it sounds like he ran sort of a simple, simplistic, simplistic, that's the word, Fishing operation where he just sent an email to the, right. uh, I'm Dr. So-and-so from the Riverside School Department of Schools, and I need your password. And they <laughs> gave it to him.
2: They did. Um, so he altered his grades with higher marks, and he made other kids' grades worse and would put comments in there like sleeps in class on some of these kids' uh, records. <laughs> the affected students were the ones that noticed the changes and notified the it- and notified the administrators they say this kid goes to encore junior and senior high school for the arts oh. he should be charged with a felony for the love of god why not no harm no foul you mean
3: no harm no foul
2: well it's it's all fixed back he's he's 15 he made a mistake he shouldn't have a felony on his record
3: the uh, there have been other cases like this. There was a private tutor paid by Corona Del Mar high school students. Oh, to I hack remember into that one. But he was an raids. adult. Yeah. 20 felony counts of computer access and fraud. One felony count of commercial burglary uh, in that one. That's uh, that's pretty. Fun. What did you do?
2: I don't think I changed any of my grades, but uh, when you were, this is back in the 90s, when you were a TA, um, you had access to the computer system because you would be logging in information. I was a TA for the physics teacher, I believe. And you would log in information related to that class. And you also had access to attendance records for the whole school. I found a way in. So, I found a way in. So, there were a couple times when I was truant and I marked myself as not truant so that they wouldn't call the house. Very Ferris Bueller's day off. Right. I feel like it's not that big of a deal. Right? Gary's just Gar- so I know. disappointed. He's well, so disappointed. He's not even a- mad. He's just disappointed. <laughs> there's a couple.
3: Yeah, that's the way, that's the feeling I have. I'm not mad. I'm just.
2: I was dumb. So I was a kid. You know, I wouldn't do it now. That helps.
3: (laughs) Wow. Thank you for that. I'll make sure I go down the hallway and tell the boss. Uh, Yeah, she's uh, she's not here today, but uh, she means it this time. Uh, So do your parents know this? I mean, you've had a series since since your time as a teenager, you've had a series of uh, revelations to your parents. Right.
2: Yeah, they hate me. No, I don't think they they they, they, they have the same reaction that they would have had in 1996.
3: They grounded you.
2: No, but the 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 look, the reaction, uh, the words.
3: But did they? But do they say things like "I never
2: thought you would that person"?
3: Or do they go, "Yeah, it sounds about right."
2: Yeah, sounds about right.
3: <laughs> so you abused. That's this is the part that gets me. You abused. Pr- the position yeah you were a, you were a teacher's assistant yeah. trusted with i know
2: it's terrible
3: somewhat sensitive material in terms of someone else's grades right you were typing in their yeah. their test I had, scores i, and I would like never
2: that. alter somebody's grades
3: oh okay that's a that's a far leap from changing your own it never occurred record. to
2: me it would never it would never even have occurred to me to do that but really yeah that seems like a much bigger deal altering grades than marking myself present right? <laughs> Tessa I am working on the news over here, actually <laughs> God I have no friends in here anymore. you know Oscar would have Oscar would have stuck up for me Oscar
3: Oscar Oscar would have changed his grades
2: yeah. Oscar told, Oscar probably did change his grades.
3: Well, we're not. We don't know that for certain. We're just saying. Ray
2: Lopez would have stuck up for me.
3: <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is the
2: only show that.
3: I've never heard of these products. Oh. A Shibu, a Heboo, and a Stanga. What are, what are those? Shibu, hebu, and Stanga. There is something that exists in Hollywood now that probably never did before an intimacy coach a sex scene coach basically intimacy coordinators on oh, sets around Oh is this Hollywood.
2: for consent and things of that nature yes. and making sure everything's above board But specifically
3: the shibu the hebu and the stanga are things that you you put upon an actor/actress to prevent the the naughty bits from from being too naughty. I thought a Shibu Ibu was a dog.
2: You guys have said it like four times, and I feel like something's going to appear. Shiba
3: <laughs> Shiba Inu is a dog.
6: We're cursed. Shibu
3: and yeah. Ibu and Stanga. I mean,
2: just the words alone are seem filthy.
3: I can't wait to tell you about it. I mean, yes, I can, but <laughs> I mean, imagine. Wow, I can't. Next segment, I have to tell you about why knee pads and elbow pads also play a part in all of this.
2: Okay. Gary and Shannon, and I'm the bad person.
0: Because we could be. Gary Hoffman, Shannon Farron. Back to Gary and Shannon.
2: Funeral up in the Bay Area for a girl killed at the Gilroy Garlic Festival just two days after she would have turned 14. One of the three people killed and 13 injured. Packed church, as you can imagine. Family and friends used markers to write messages on her casket. One read, Kayla, you're an angel. We'll never forget you.
3: One of the responses we've seen to the shootings in El Paso and uh, Dayton, Ohio, is that Ohio's Republican, Governor Mike DeWine, is uh, going against what has traditionally been the position of the Republican Party in Ohio, telling uh, the president to stay away. Interesting. He's calling for expanded gun laws. Uh, some Democrats in Texas are telling the president to stay away from El Paso. The president has scheduled a trip uh, to hit both places tomorrow, both El Paso and Dayton. Um, And when we get some more information about whatever the exact schedule
2: is, we'll let you know. Alicia Rodas is HBO's lead intimacy coordinator. Yes, that's a new title. She is basically HBO's sex scene coach. And she takes along with her to every set her kit. Looks like a toiletries kit, maybe some packages of pantyhose. But as you look closer... You see the shibu, the hebu, the stenga. Okay, you were going to explain this to us.
3: Well, the... Uh...
2: You've done more research on this. While I went down the juggalo hole this morning, you looked into shibus. <clears throat> I,
3: I, can't, I can't say exactly what a stanga is.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You, like you can't say it because of the FCC?
3: Well... I'm trying to nail down exactly what it, what it is because the, they're very vague about the actual definition of it. Mm-hmm. But here's the way Alicia describes what Shibu and Hebu are.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, she says, "Let's say we're coming in to do a sex scene. They're obviously simulating sex. Uh, there's no genitals involved, and we're going to see somebody fully naked, but not not their naughty parts. So they're in bed. They're in the sheets. What do we do to make?" Sure that we don't see that stuff. And she picks up a shibu. And the way the Atlantic writer describes it is, it looks like a panty liner, except that it's meant to adhere to a person rather than to the undergarment. We take a shibu, <laughs> says Alicia. We open it up. We put a silicone guard underneath so everyone becomes like a Barbie doll. Interesting. The hebu
2: Is it flesh colored? Yes. Got it.
3: The hebu, Are there different
2: colors of flesh? Because not everybody's the same color.
3: Yes. Okay. The hebu is the male version of that.
2: And how does that work? I
3: don't know.
2: What do you mean you don't know?
3: I clearly don't know. <laughs> what do you mean I don't know? I don't...
2: Let me let me look it up.
3: She says in her kit, along with the shebu, the hebu, and the stanga... Hebu. She has things like...
2: Oh. It's... um. So it's like a uh <laughs> I need you to look at the picture. Okay. Is it like It's Spanx? like a it's like a strapless thong? Oh. It looks like it it, it oh. like maybe there's adhesive. Yeah. And it's kind of like um
3: It's like a dance belt without the belt part.
2: A dance belt. Yeah. What's that?
3: You're a dance. What do you mean you don't know what a dance belt is? No. Oh. It's a small medieval torture device. Um it's like a jock oh, strap yeah. for a dancer. I,
2: I never danced with boys, so I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't exposed to this.
3: Along with the shibu, the hebo, and the stanga, she keeps in her box the uh, her toolkit knee pads and elbow pads, sticky tape, moleskin, wet ones wipes, oh, tissues, God. breath mints,
2: breath baby, mints. Oil,
3: baby oil so they can take anything off that's adhesive.
2: Does she put this on herself? Like, does she put the Hebrew on the dude? Yeah. How, what if he doesn't lo- want her to?
3: I mean, I suppose he could put it on himself, but yeah. she's got to tell him how to do it. She has, a, uh, she has an, a life as an actress for a long time. She was also a stunt woman. And so she knows the ideas of sort of choreographing scenes like this. So
2: when I'm watching Fleabag... They're wearing she-boos and he-boos?
3: Uh, potentially, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you were in one of these scenes, she works on The Deuce, which is a uh, an HBO show. A lot of sex. Have you seen it? No. Uh It's something about, like, early 70s Times Square, birth of... of Modern pornography, a lot of uh, prostitution, etc. Anyway, she said, for example, to facilitate a scene, she would brief both actors on what was going to be shown and not shown in the scene and what type of wardrobe assistance they might expect if they were going to be wearing the she or the he And then the day of the shoot, the three people, the, the two people that were getting it on and, and this uh, Alicia the intimacy coordinator, would get together and discuss in detail what touching would be going on and how and where. And there would be a bunch of what she described as choreographic elements down to the details of how many hip thrusts, for example, there would be in a specific scene. So that everybody knows what's going on So that nobody gets gets carried away or anything. Hmm. And she says once that she had established that everyone was comfortable with the plan and made sure both actors had robes to wear before and after the scene. Did you get to the part about about the prosthetic penis? No.
2: So so one of the actors is wearing, there's one of the scenes that calls for her to grab the actor's crotch. Mm -hmm. And they said he was wearing a prosthetic penis. Well, where did the real penis go? Is my question? Uh... Is that inside the hebu and then on on the outside of the hebu, they put the prosthetic penis? Is that how it works? Maybe. Like, you but wouldn't that be like on or something?
3: Wouldn't that be like putting a bald cap on my head and then putting a wig with yes. the same exact hair on it?
2: Yes. But it's not your real hair, so there's no weirdness.
3: This is just. It's weird. It's weird. And HBO pays a lot of money to, uh, oh, to Alicia and people like her to uh, make sure that that the well, parts aren't real.
2: Good talk. I'm glad we broke down a new Hollywood practice. We'll talk trending when we come back. You you wanted to do that story.
6: <laughs> I want to wake where you're
3: Shannon, on this uh, Tuesday, it is August 6th, KFI AM 640. And, of course, you can listen on the iHeartRadio app, wherever you might be. You can delay listening, listening a little bit later when the uh, podcast gets posted. At the bottom of the hour, of course, we get into Swamp Watch, talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Still, I don't know if you've heard this story, that Michael Avenatti is mulling a run for the president again.
2: Yes, I did hear that. That guy is so delusional.
3: We will have to talk about that at the bottom He of the reminds
2: hour. me of Anthony Weiner. <laughs> oh,
3: There's those two guys together? No
2: self-awareness, personal perspective.
3: Egos a, that just good, blind them. Good superhero team. Hmm. Maybe not. Is that what we'd call that? Not, not really. Hey, what else is going on?
0: Time for What's Happening.
2: Well, the governor in Ohio has kind of uh, separated himself from other Republicans and wants more gun reform. Governor Mike DeWine has urged the Republican-led state legislature to pass laws requiring background checks for nearly all gun sales and allowing courts to restrict firearms access for people perceived as threats known as the red flag type laws.
3: Uh, he says we can come together to do these things to save lives. Uh, he was asking the Republican-led legislature today to pass these laws that will re- require these background checks, these red flag laws, etc. But it's a it's a full seventeen-point plan that he said he's um, uh, he's got in mind.
2: You know what? I love this because he was speaking just yesterday when the crowd of his constituents said, "Do something! Do yeah. something!" Right? He went home and he sat down, and he fleshed out his plan, and he put it into action, or is going to try to, the following day.
3: Uh, and listen, even if it's not 17 points that he gets passed, then he has to compromise on some of them and drop some of them all together to, to, together to get the others passed. It's
2: showing he cares, yeah. and he's not being political about it.
3: Um, meanwhile, the president is expected to be in Ohio and Texas tomorrow. Some Democrats apparently have suggested that the president stay away from Texas. So, that uh, the Democratic congresswoman for that area, Veronica Escobar, says the president is not welcome uh, as they are mourning. Well, that's, I think that's, you can say that all you want. I think it's important for the president to be there, uh, for, be there and in Dayton as well. Because if you're going to try to then argue that there's got to be something done on a federal level, Who else has the power to do it but the president of the United States?
2: The FBI is opening a domestic terrorism investigating into the shooting at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. Despite the fact that domestic terrorism does not exist, the crime of domestic terrorism is nowhere on the books. Maybe the law needs to catch up. Because clearly we're dealing with a lot of domestic terrorism.
3: One of the uh, things that they revealed today in this news conference from Gilroy was a series of organizations and groups that this guy may have belonged to, uh, but also the other potential targets that this guy may have been thinking about uh, before he chose the Gilroy Garlic Festival to to shoot up.
2: Remember that shooting at the Costco in Corona involving the off-duty Los Angeles police officer claimed he was under attack? And he shot and killed that mentally disabled man and, and and wounded his parents. They were in line, I think, for for samples or something like that when the altercation happened. Well, it looks like video of that shooting is going to be sealed for a year.
3: It's an interesting way to put it. But the judge uh, that, that imposed this order says it starts the day of the shooting, which was back on June 14th. So it'll be june 14th next year that it's available and the judge said that it would substantially interfere with the investigation if the video was out there i don't know if i i don't i don't know how
2: well but- he also said it's very graphic and that there would be significant public attention to the shooting and maybe if there're going to be charges brought they don't want um, to be tried in the media. Well, I guess that would interfere with, with, with his rights.
3: Right, and the judge did say that releasing it could potentially result in harm to the suspect uh, and could interfere with the jury trial process and any potential subsequent prosecution. So I guess that part of it does make sense. Uh, a sad death to tell you about. Uh, Nobel laureate Toni Morrison has died at the age of uh,
2: 88. I opening books that she wrote, and I mentioned it earlier, it's really rare that you... Um, achieve such critical success and commercial success but her books were wildly praised by normal everyday readers like us as well as the literary community first uh, african-american to win the prize for literature
3: first black woman um she was by her early 60s she had written just six novels and that was enough for her to get the the nobel uh, literature prize in 1993 We told you a story yesterday about this uh, Brazilian drug dealer who was trying to get out of a prison by dressing up as his daughter and wearing a really bad rubber mask over his entire head. They found him. They unmasked him on camera. It was shared via social media. The convicted drug dealer goes by the name Shorty Clauvina da Silva. Hanged himself in jail. He had tried to walk out the front door of the maximum security prison while impersonating his 19-year-old daughter, who, by the way, was left in the prison while he was walking out. Viral footage showed him removing the costume, which included a a girl's T-shirt, this over-the-top mask, long black wig, glasses. They are launching an investigation into the uh, apparent suicide. He'd been serving a sentence of 74 years in prison which is understandable why he would want to get out at that point.
2: That is on our webpage as well, if you're curious about that. Um, One of my favorite stories of the day, you know, those gender reveal parties have just gotten way out of hand. We kind of did one of those. You did?
3: Not not anything like, you know, lighting a fire and seeing which color smoke comes out of it or anything like (laughs) that. But we had a friend of ours, uh, we... Had the doctor write the gender down, and we gave it to a friend of ours, and she planned the party.
2: That you were well be- uh, uh, before your time. Yeah, I
3: was seven, see, almost seventeen years ago. Gosh,
7: you're getting
2: up there. Okay, I'm just kidding. Take I'm just a nap. Ki- no, I'm. Let, let's get back into the field with the poppies and the and the bunnies. Too late. We're going to be nice again. Too old for poppies. <laughs> uh, anyway, the woman who I thought invented gender reveal parties after the Hoffmans did. She is begging everyone to stop. Not for the reason you may think it is.
3: Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. It wasn't love. It wasn't love.
2: It was a perfect delusion. Mistaken for love. It wasn't love.
0: It was a perfect delusion. KFI AM 640. Gary Hoffman and Shannon Farron. Told you
3: earlier about this um, dust up at Walmart in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It was originally reported today as an active shooter situation. Turned out it was a fight between a couple of guys, I guess, at the uh, customer service desk. And what better way to solve it than by pulling out your handguns and shooting at each other, which is apparently what happened there in Baton Rouge? One suspect uh, has been taken into custody, another person had to be taken to the hospital.
2: Gender reveal parties have gotten out of hand. I like how the New York Times says the gender reveal party has been around for as long as Instagram has. And the two have gotten out of hand at roughly the same speed. I could not agree more. Um, The mother who's credited with inventing these is begging for people to stop. Her name's Jenna. She's from Los Angeles and she is a blogger. And she was expecting her first child back in 2008 and decided to have a party. And the party was covered by Bump magazine. And it seems like she probably did the uh, the cake gender reveal, which was pretty common when this thing first started. That's the one where
3: so when you, you, you bake a cake that's a certain color and then hide it in frosting?
2: Yes, but you don't. You have the... Usually, don't you have the the bakery or whatever you bring them the results and they make oh, yeah. it and yeah. so it's it's revealing to you and to your friends i think i mean some of them would be some parents would know but some of them i think prefer to have it be a surprise until the party um it's escalated past the cakes people are lighting fires now
3: well literally there was yeah. there was a guy in arizona who started a 47,000 acre fire uh when If I'm not mistaken, he was shooting at targets Mm -hmm. and the targets were supposed to explode in either blue smoke or pink smoke.
2: A car burst into flames while announcing a girl last year in Australia. Uh And the thing with with Instagram and with these gender reveal parties is that it's it's like this one upmanship culture of how can my gender party be better than your gender party? How can I go above and beyond So anyway, that's not Jenna's problem with it. She says now her problem with it is the obsession over gender. She says, who cares what gender the baby is? She says, I did at the time in 2008 because we didn't live in 2019 and did not know what we know now. That assigning focus on gender at birth leaves out so much of their potential and talents that have nothing to do with what's between their legs.
3: Well, let me run this up the flagpole. I was lucky enough in my two kids' lives, early lives, gestational areas with time periods, that their gender in utero was fairly clear physiologically. We could tell what we were working with. Or what they were working with would be work whatever. In the event that you go to the doctor and you get a sonogram, and they go, "Yeah, you know what? We're gonna let this we're gonna let this develop a little bit more before we give you a one way or the other type thing." And then a few weeks later, the doctor still goes, "Yeah, well, you know what? This is a this is sort of an odd situation. We're not quite certain what's going on down there. What do you do with that gender reveal party?" I mean, for, I would assume you just, we're not going to do it. We're just going to do normal baby shower. We're not going to worry right. about.
2: You don't, yeah. You would just wait till the, the baby pops out. Not, not everybody has to have a gender reveal party. Oh, but I think they do. I wouldn't.
3: You wouldn't, which part? You would want to know and you wouldn't care or you wouldn't want it the surprise of it in front of everybody?
2: I wouldn't throw a party for no reason.
3: Well, <laughs> there <laughs> you are know? a lot of people who've got a lot of time on their hands.
2: I know. I know. Um,
3: Mine was that we had a son.
2: I think it's less about the, the, I think her problem is less about the, uh, I think it's more about the whole don't call your baby a girl or a boy until the baby figures out what she or he or they would like to do with with what's between their legs. We
3: just start delaying these gender reveal parties until like 18 or 20.
2: Oh, 18 or 20. Yeah,
3: because at that point, listen, I still think it's pretty early.
2: You know what?
3: Fifteen or sixteen. There's a lot of questions still for. This is a solid
2: idea. Furthermore, Mm -hmm. why don't we have gender reveal parties on the show? Now that's a party I would go to. Let's do gender reveal like Tuesday next week or something.
3: Can I do it right now?
2: No. Why not? I want anticipation to build.
3: Okay. Well, I appreciate that there would be a certain amount of anticipation (laughs) around my gender.
2: So curious.
3: Yeah. Do we have to use, like, she and he for this gender reveal No, party? we're not oh.
2: having just, sex scenes, Blake.
3: We're just going <laughs> to announce m- male or female. Or, or whatever. Or hands to the air. Palms up. I mean,
2: Nick's ah. been growing his hair long.
3: <laughs> when, uh...
2: <laughs> the luck he just gave me is, like, the worst thing ever. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Nick. When, uh... I d- I don't don't even know what to say right
4: now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) When our son was born, we got to be good friends with everybody that was in the birthing class at the hospital with us, right? So we all had kids that were within two or three weeks of each other. And after about a year and a half, some of those families got pregnant again with their second kid. And we were fine with one. We had no one is plenty of work. That's plenty of. But then started thinking about, well, he's going to be all alone. And shouldn't he have a sibling? And would, if that one came out with red hair, what's the next one going to look like? That kind of thing. So we ended up having uh, a second go at it. And
2: <laughs> you make it sound so romantic. And, he's my hero.
3: Thank you. Uh, a friend of ours said we should ha- like tell me what the gender is, and then I will throw a party and let you know what the gender is. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Said that to the doctor. Doctor's like, that's a great idea. I'll write it in the envelope. Here it is. Don't open it. And like wrote our friend's name on it. Says, you're supposed to open this first. So we took it, gave it to her, and she opened it first. So she knew months before we did or weeks, whatever the timing is, before we did. uh, When we... she blew it to me one time. I was
2: going to say, that would be the hardest thing to keep secret.
3: She was one of those families that also had a second kid, and they had, a, they had a son first, who's our son's age, and then they had a daughter. And I was holding her one time. I was holding Nikki one time, and, and it was, she said something along the lines of, well, you better get used to holding the little baby girl or something like
2: yeah, that. Yeah. So wow. she totally blew it. Wow. It was only a
3: week or two before the party, yeah. but then I knew. Right. And I had to keep it secret. Yeah. Anyway, the pink cake and all that sort of stuff. It's just going to be a girl and all that. It was a a lot of fun. But I I understand why Jenna, is her name, is having a hard time with gender reveal parties. I mean, I understand why now in 2019 you're not supposed to say it's not a binary thing anymore. Mm -mm. It's not a pink or a blue thing because then assigning colors to genders is also something you're not supposed to
1: do. Right.
2: So, if you and your wife have another baby, don't wow. tell me what the no. gender is that's and not... then expect me to keep it secret because I'm not that's... that friend. I don't I'm think so it's excited.
3: Happening. When? No. No. I don't think so.
2: That's not a no. What
4: are the odds on it being another redhead? Slim. How recessive is it? <laughs> very slim. It's we can not put very some money recessive.
2: into this pot, take bets on this baby. Mm-hmm. Gary and Shannon, uh, Swamp Watch when we come back.
0: <laughs> we're back with gary hoffman and shannon farrah gary and shannon on kfi am 640
2: republican governor in ohio is calling for expanded gun laws Some Democrats in Texas are telling the president to stay away. He is planning on visiting both areas that were hit with mass shootings over the weekend.
3: We did talk about the uh, shooting in Gilroy. There was a news conference this morning. Gilroy police said that they had found a a list of potential targets that the uh, shooter was looking at outside of the Garlic Festival, including religious groups, U.S. government buildings, etc. Also today, there was a, uh, a funeral for the... Thirteen-year-old girl who was killed in that shooting at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. Uh, two days from today, she would have turned 14. We—it's uh, time for Swamp Watch at
0: 12:30. Drain the swamp. We're
5: going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain
2: the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the- Well, we have talked a lot the past couple days about the focus, the FBI's focus primarily on domestic terrorism and where it falls on the priority list. We since 9-11 is focused on radical Islamic extremism, but there are some senators that want to see some priorities shifting around.
3: Aaron Katursky is joining us live from New York with the latest on all of this. Aaron, what's going on?
7: Yeah, you remember the president used to call call out Democrats for not using the phrase radical Islamic terrorism, and that was a campaign rallying cry. And now there's kind of the a clamor to, to put the same kind of attention on domestic terrorism, a threat to the American people and our democracy, the FBI Agents Association said. And there is a concern that domestic terrorism is not a federal crime the way um, Islamic terrorism is considered. And so there is a, a, a growing call, not only from the FBI Agents Association, but from the top senators on the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee to uh, make it a federal statute so that it can be prosecuted. And they think that would help the fbi and other agencies better track domestic terrorists which um the, the senators say they're concerned a little slow on the uptake
3: isn't isn't part of the issue the uh definition of terrorism is hard to come by when you're dealing with uh, the an internal threat like this
7: well I, I, but but there's there's the semantics but then there's the actual statute and and for something to be considered a crime of terrorism it has to fit certain criteria and so i think what what they're after here is is statutory language so that they can, you know, uh, uh, apply all of the, the, the counterterrorism measures to a particular crime. And the number of attacks carried out by actual domestic terrorists is on the rise, according to the FBI. And, and you know, the, the ones they don't know about or they can't stop is what really concerns them. So they're, they're it, it's, it's a push for additional resources.
2: Uh, obviously, it helps to have an official crime of domestic terrorism on the books when you move forward with prosecution. But can't the FBI, and has this been addressed? Yet for the FBI to prioritize these cases, I mean, even though there there wasn't a statute that existed, um, not yet can't they 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 know what it looks like?
7: Well, they do, but they're prohibited from reviewing or even looking at First Amendment activity. So, just hateful rhetoric isn't enough. Um, alarming though it may be, the FBI is prohibited from from opening an investigation based on just. Somebody's words. However, that's not the case for for um, Islamic-based terrorism. So, right. if you, you you perhaps make the law a bit different, um, that might enable the FBI to say, "Okay, now do we have enough?" And can we open a case? And would that make a difference? Um, you know, it, it may not be a panacea, but it's it's certainly worth worth a shot, according to the FBI's uh, agents association.
2: Aaron, do you know I, I haven't seen this anywhere uh, where the ACLU comes down on, on this conversation? If, if this is going to be something that, that they would likely fight?
7: Jeez, I haven't heard from the ACLU on, on this specific question. I'm sure it's a good Um, I'm sure it's a good one. I mean, and and even the FBI does not want to start designating domestic groups as terrorists. I mean, there's real First Amendment concerns that even the FBI has. They don't want to go there. But they would want something more on the international side, which is, you know, how um, foreign terrorist organizations get designated by the State Department. Um, Maybe there's a way that the country could do that for domestic terrorists. And that would that would, again, broaden the. um, the uh the the fbi's capabilities even though there's not a precise you know kind of it's not precise on the domestic side but but the fbi still thinks there could be something else there
3: now you mentioned these uh you mentioned senators johnson and peters have been asking uh for information about this and what i think is probably most telling about it is that they sent letters in may regarding information how the doj and the fbi track domestic terrorists in yep. may and we haven't heard from the attorney general or from the director yet
7: that, that's right in fact in their letter um, that was sent just uh, i guess it's stated yesterday they say that back in may they requested information about how the Justice Department is is, um, protecting Americans from domestic terrorism. And they requested a response by the end of May. And to date, the Justice Department hasn't provided one. And then they list Virginia Beach, Gilroy, California, El Paso, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, collectively 46 people dead and 72 injured. Um, and, And so the senators say, obviously, the federal government has more work to do.
2: Aaron, thank you. Appreciate it.
7: Okay,
3: guys. Aaron Katursky there with the latest in New York. Again, looking for ways to combat domestic terrorism and trying to sort of flesh out the definition of what that is and how the FBI and the Department of Justice can, uh, can combat that in D.C. while we're dealing with it out here. Uh, a couple of uh, lighter-hearted stories out of Washington, D.C., including Michael Avenatti saying he's not ruling out another run for the presidency.
2: Oh, Lord.
3: The first one uh, was so Can't spectacular. Can't people
2: just go away and never resurface?
3: Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. Mm-hmm. She's going to see
0: me, call me baby, run her hands through my hair. She'll hold me crazy, suit me daily, but yeah, she wouldn't care. We'll see the Lexus be detained. KFI AM 640, Gary Hoffman, Shannon Farron, back to Gary and Shannon.
3: Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 300 points now, making uh, taking back some of the ground that it lost yesterday when it lost almost 800 over fears of uh, ongoing trade war between the United States and China. We'll see how it ends up. The next 10-15 uh, minutes left to trading. Top of the hour, and Carlos is going to join us. Chris was at that news conference this morning where Orange County authorities talked about. The uh, apprehension of Peter Chadwick wanted for the murder of his wife from seven years ago and then skip town. Uh, we'll talk with Chris coming up at one o'clock.
2: Well, he mentioned the president is preparing to visit El Paso and Dayton tomorrow. These will not be universally welcome visits.
3: Uh, Hogan Gidley, one of the spokespeople for the, uh, for the White House, explained why the president would be going. What
2: he wants to do is go to these
5: communities and... Um, grieve with them, pray with them, offer condolences and, quite frankly, uh, offer thank you and appreciation to those who are first responders and put their lives on the line and were able to take out the shooter so quickly.
3: As conservative as Texas is, a lot of the uh, Democratic officials in El Paso had suggested the president not come.
2: El Paso is a hot spot for illegal border crossings and the shooter did have a manifesto attacking Hispanics in Texas. The way that the president kind of went after less than great people that come across the border and commit crime in this country.
3: A lot of people are pointing to tweets that the president has used, uh, sorry, that the president has uh, created, I guess, that use the word invasion, and I guess invasion appeared in this guy's comments as well. I there's listen, there's part of me if uh, Beto O'Rourke, for example, says the president helps create the hatred that made Saturday's tragedy possible should not come to El Paso. We do not need more division. We need to heal.
2: Well, people lost their minds when it was, I believe, the, the the New York Times that published a headline last night, Trump urges unity versus racism. Right? People lost their minds because that has not been his message. And a lot of people say that his rhetoric is, is partly to blame for people getting this angry and this hateful.
3: Okay, but allow me a Pollyannish moment here for a second. If you're going to, if like Beto O'Rourke says, you need to heal... You don't need more division. The one person who's going to help drive that is going to be, if you're Beto O'Rourke, the guy who is responsible for that. Right. So if if you're going to get any sort of healing done, why not they, go for the big fish here?
2: I think the Beto O'Rourke just wanted uh the, the media to come down harder on the president for his rhetoric leading up to these shootings. And uh and that's not what the media is going to do
3: well it's it, unfortunately listen i do think the president has a responsibility to go to places like this where the hurt is fresh he's not going to get in the way uh they we've seen this before in times of disaster presidents that go to areas like uh um i don't know louisiana after hurricane katrina or mississippi they're able to stay enough out of the way that they're not going to cause any problems that's uh, clearly the way they're going to do this, I hope, unless something really goes wrong. And he'll move on to Dayton, Ohio, as well. Nan Whaley is the mayor there and said, well, I may not want it,
6: but... He's the president of the United States, and as he has an official capacity as president, you know, i the official capacity of mayor, uh, I will greet him here.
3: Well, that's not overwhelmingly with open arms. Can't wait to meet him. She's still dealing with what's going on in her community as well, but I, I, there's he he cannot sit in the White House. It's
2: the first time that I've ever heard of people, though, at a scene of a tragedy like this say, we don't want you. We don't want the president.
3: Well, I've heard people say they don't want because they don't want the distraction of, you know, in the, right, right, in the right, event right. of like a cleanup from a to- massive tornado sure. or something like that. I've, I've, I've heard that, but because of politics, I haven't heard this before, at least not to this level.
2: I've got some 2020 news. Mm-hmm. In the first primary state of New Hampshire, Biden still has a lead, but it's dwindling. A small lead over Bernie Sanders, and it looks like Elizabeth Warren also posting solid gains there in New Hampshire. And they say they're, clo- they're those two are closing the gap on Biden. This is a Suffolk University Boston Globe poll. It finds Biden at 21 percent, Sanders at 17 and Warren at 14 percent.
3: You know, what's amazing to me is still we, we talk about all of these other candidates and how low they are in the polls outside of that. Kamala Harris is at eight percent right now. Eight. Pete Buttigieg is six percent. For some reason, Tulsi Gabbard is spiking at three percent. And by spiking, I'm being slightly facetious. But that's tripled her support since before the debates, the second debate. Cory Booker is at 1%. And Beto O'Rourke, who at one moment, remember, they'd had a giant Vanity Fair article about Beto O'Rourke. He was the second coming of, insert name of young, handsome politician here. He's he's polling right now at nothing. Blake is polling at nothing in New Hampshire right now. And so is Beto O'Rourke. Michael Avenatti may run for president once again. Did you see that?
2: Yeah, he told CNBC late Friday that he is thinking about jumping into that 2020 field of candidates. He said the odds of him getting into the race are at about 50-50, and he's (laughs) going to make the decision in a few months. That's going to be too late at that point, isn't it? Yes.
3: Uh, I would just love to see him go up against actual politicians to talk about things. Would you? Well, I would love to hear... Could you imagine Michael Avenatti getting into a policy discussion with somebody like Elizabeth Warren? No.
2: Who I is a complete would, nerd when it comes to politics would and policy. Eat him up and chew him out. Wait, you know what I mean? <laughs> eat him
3: up and. and chew, spit him out. Spit him out.
2: It's all there's bad. There's a lot of chewing. It's all bad. Yeah,
3: she'd masticate all over that guy. <laughs>
2: that whole analogy was terrible. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Want a fugitive update? I do. Good.
3: Peter Chadwick is a guy who'd been on the run from Orange County authorities for seven years after he, well, technically four, but seven years ago, his wife was killed. They believe he did it. He decided to skip town, skip the country, as a matter of fact. Well, they picked him up. Chris and Carlos are going to join us. We're going to talk more about all of this when we come back.
6: Gary and Shannon
2: will continue
6: this because i don't want um our neighborhoods to have a a ton of cars moving in and out we're trying to just be as succinct as possible i'll be on national night out do you feel are you going yeah so we're all yeah we're all going Um, and we'll be we will be on a bus as well this is an
3: update out of dayton Uh, ohio mayor nan uh, whaley is uh giving an update on Uh, the mass shooting that took place there
6: to provide an update on the investigation
5: thank you mayor I'm joined this afternoon with uh, Todd Wickerham, the special agent in charge for the Cincinnati FBI office. We'll provide a brief but important update on the progress investigation of the mass shooting that occurred in the city of Dayton on August 4th. While we do not have true clarity of motive of the assailant, based upon evidence obtained, we do have a more developed picture of the evolving mindset of the assailant, the materials reviewed thus far reveal that the individual had a history of obsession with violent ideations to include mass shootings and had expressed a desire to commit a mass shooting. Subsequent material has revealed an orientation toward violent ideologies which elevate this case to one of federal interest. Thus, the FBI will be taking the central role in certain aspects of this case while the Dayton Police Department continues to focus on the homicide investigation. So I now ask Agent Wickerham to provide more information about this shift in investigative focus. However, I will clarify that the information provided will be very limited and not likely to be exp- expanded upon uh, what is already being shared.
9: Agent So uh, thank you, Mayor. Uh, Thank you, Chief. My name is Todd Wickerham. I'm the special agent in charge for the FBI's Cincinnati Field Office. So the Dayton police and the FBI have a long history of working together side by side in this community, including very, very important Joint Terrorism Task Force assignments that Dayton police officers have, as well as our Safe Streets Task Force. So working together is nothing new for us. An FBI agent showed up in the early morning hours in the Oregon District after this horrific mass attack. So our investigation with Dayton Police is ongoing. We have not made any final investigative conclusions into the motive of the shooter or if he was assisted by any other people in this attack. However, we have uncovered evidence throughout the course of our investigation that the shooter was exploring violent ideologies. And based upon this evidence, we're initiating an FBI investigation side-by-side with the Dayton Police homicide investigation to make sure we get to the bottom and we explore everything and we try to understand the best we can why uh, this horrific attack happened. So as we continue to conduct this investigation, we are striving to do three things. What to figure out three things? What, if any, ideology influenced the attacker to conduct this attack? Who, if anyone, helped him or had any advance in knowledge of his intentions to conduct this attack? And why he committed this specific act of violence? One piece of evidence does not necessarily constitute a motive, hence the need for a thorough, methodical investigation. The case is ongoing, so we cannot provide any detailed information into our investigative activities at this time. It's absolutely critical that we do this investigation the right way. This community and our country deserves an answer as to why this happened. So we ask anybody with additional information regarding this investigation to provide that information to the FBI tip line. It's a tip line that's available 24-7 for somebody to give information. That tip line is 1-800-CALL-FBI. If you call there and ask to give information about the Dayton shooting, uh, somebody will take that information and provide it both to the Dayton Police Department and to the FBI. There's another outlet in which people can provide any type of digital evidence that they may have collected, whether on that night or any social media evidence that they may feel is relevant to why this attack happened. And that can be provided at www.fbi.gov.gov backslash Dayton shooting. I also want to thank all the organizations in this community that have stepped up to help the grieving process and the healing process begin here in Dayton. I'll take a couple questions. Andrew,
5: can you explain the violent ideology? What violent ideology is it, if you're interested in
9: So I'm not going to get into specifics of what we found because we're so early in this investigation. There is so much more material to go through and evidence to obtain in this investigation. But uh, we have found very specific violent ideologies that the shooter, um, we know, followed and was interested in. So that is has uh, given us enough information to open up an FBI investigation to make sure we have every single tool, every investigative capability to figure out why this happened and to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. To be
5: clear, there's a, a predicate for a federal investigation. That would be something having to do with either politics, religion, race, that sort of thing, right?
9: So uh, anybody that uh, wants to, uh, to do violence, that is part of uh, what has to be shown to investigate a federal investigation of this type. And so, yeah, so we have found very specific. One thing I'll point out, that we have not found any indication that it's a racial motivation. That is not uh, the any, we have not found that anything that indicates that it's a racial motivation at this time. I'm not, you know, again, we have a lot to go through. So, um, but uh, different violent ideologies. Um, uh, will cause an is- uh, investigation to be initiated and we have found evidence of a violent ideology. Did but I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get I'm not going into the get into the specifics. Did you discover this off his computer? Um, we did not discover it off his computer. We're still going through lots of digital evidence, but I'm not gonna tell you exactly where we found this because we still have a lot more to go through.
6: Uh we
0: don't
9: we do not have that information at this time we don't know. Can you define what a violent ideology in terms of what do you mean
1: by violence? This means a pre existing ideology that exists that he subscribes
9: to, or what does it mean So, what we what we saw in this is uh, this individual, the shooter, uh, the attacker in this case, um, very specifically seeking out um, information that uh, promotes violence. How far back
5: in the past are you walking? Reports of a hit list in high school?
9: We are going back uh, as far as we need to to find, uh, try to find out why he did this and also if anybody else knew about this or was involved with this. Was
1: he that that planning this event or that he was planning to do a different type of event? Or, or how premeditated was this event?
9: Uh, w- we don't know it at this time.
1: Events, hey, do you have any knowledge of him having any, any uh, mental illnesses?
9: Um, I, I don't have that information uh, at this time. I'm not going to get any more specifics about what we do or what we do not know. Did the events in El Paso affect the timeline of this at all? Uh, we have not seen any evidence that uh, the events in El Paso influenced him at this point. Again, we have lots of evidence to go through. Did
1: you have any evidence prior to this? No,
9: we have no evidence that the, F- the shooter was on the FBI's radar prior to this event. So, thank you. Thank you.
6: Thank you, Special Agent. Uh, next, I'm going to invite uh, Assistant Chief Matt Carper to the podium to discuss the President of the United States' visit tomorrow.
4: Thank you, Mayor. I know there's been a, a lot of interest in the um, in potential visit from uh, the, the President into the Miami Valley area tomorrow. Uh, we don't have the specifics yet. As soon as we can get uh, more um, additional information as it unfolds, We'll release what we're able to release to the public. Uh, I know any closures uh, or inconveniences, interruptions would be minimal. So we do understand that. So we'll uh, share more information as it becomes available and as we're able to. That's all I'm able to offer right now.
5: Will the families be, be meeting with the board? president privately? Then, I'm sorry. Will the families of the victims be meeting with the president privately?
4: I'll be able to uh, give you more information as uh, as the details are confirmed. What about protests? Thank you. We? I'm not aware of any, uh, any organized protests tomorrow.
1: Can you talk about manpower? Is there going to be extra police on the scene at the routes? What's that
4: with, uh, with any uh, presidential visit or motorcade um, going back uh, decades, uh, that is the case.
5: Sir, at the White House today, Kelly and Conway suggested that the Secret Service had communicated to the president that both Dayton and El Paso are safe and ready for the president's visit. Would you agree with that characterization, that assessment? Is Dayton ready? At this moment?
4: We are always ready for uh, any kind of dignitary protection assignment. Uh, like I said, going back decades, we've provided those, and, uh, and sometimes multiple occasions per year. So, yes.
5: Given the circumstance that happened here?
4: That is correct. We are ready. Thank you. Can I ask Thank one you. more
5: question of the agent? Just,
10: just one more. You said that he wasn't influenced by events in El Paso,
0: correct?
9: I didn't say that, no. I said we don't have, not developed any evidence at this point that says that he's influenced by El Paso.
0: any evidence developed that
10: he was influenced by other events? We've had several recently.
9: Um, we still have a lot of evidence to go through, so uh, I'm not going to say anything else about that. This we're like, hearing about. Is that something we started to look
4: into, whether he's been that the
6: juvenile courts and all, like that? I, I think we've discussed everything we're going to discuss about the investigation. Uh, so are there any other questions? I wonder about the chief's the homicide investigation. Yeah. As you continue to look into
4: that gun and the ammunition, have you found any evidence that there was any violation of current gun laws by the shooter? No, we have not. Could you speak to the podium? Yeah, yeah.
6: The they want to get that on.
5: they It'll be digital. pretty easy. No, we have not, so... <laughs>
4: Any new information leading up to why they may split up the brother and the sister?
5: I, I don't know that that's clear. I mean, we just we don't have any specific information to really understand at this time. We just know what happened. Um, what
4: is your take on, on the
1: governor's proposal uh, that he laid out today, 17
5: plan? To you know, actually, I've been a little too busy to read the governor's proposal. So until I have a chance to, to read it and evaluate it,
6: uh, I really can't comment. Eric, can
5: you reiterate what you said in the morning about the visit tomorrow for the president?
9: coming in and what people
6: should do or- we, well you were you were all there so i um i, I don't need to i don't want to uh keep on going but you know i don't know what you're really asking frankly actually
5: the
6: mayor oh yeah as yeah i will welcome him in the official capacity as mayor since he is in the office of the president
4: the search warrant on the house, um, mm-hmm. did they find any other guns or what kind of evidence was
5: recovered from are we're, we're not going to get any of the evidence that was seized in that search warrant. I mean, that's all part of the investigation, and we haven't a chance to even evaluate some of it yet at this point. So, Any update
6: on the person who was driving in the car with them?
3: Well, they're going to they're going to wrap so we're up
6: done talking about the investigation. So I think we're done.
3: again, uh, the mayor, Nan Whaley and a couple of other city officials from Dayton, Ohio, including the uh, the FBI special agent in charge there with an update on the case today.
2: Pretty much uh, much ado about nothing. They just said that things that we already knew, that this was a guy who had a history of obsession, of violent ideations, he expressed desire to commit a mass shooting. The FBI is going to be taking the lead because of, of that they want to know if anyone helped him or anyone had advanced knowledge of what he was planning to do and they did say that there was no evidence of racial motivation
3: yeah but that uh, that who helped him was one of the three things the FBI said they were going to be looking into the the ideology if there was one that may have influenced him to act out violently like this who helped him of course and then why he may have committed this specific act of violence what what about that place or those people Was he, in fact, targeting? And again, the weird chapter in all of this is that he killed his own sister and her boyfriend. And
2: they still say that they don't know if she was targeted or not. Coming up next, we will go live to Dayton, Ohio. Uh, We'll get more on that governor's plan that they asked the police chief about there. Uh, Plan to try to prevent future mass shootings in the state after a rally erupted in the chant of do something.
3: Chris Ancarlo, is still going to join us. Uh, we had to push him, but we're going to go to one we We're going to talk with him about uh, that fugitive from Orange County uh, wanted for the murder of his wife from several years ago. We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Oh,
6: oh, oh, I'm born, so I'm taking my time on my ride. KFI AM 640,
0: back to Gary and Shannon with Gary Hoffman and Shannon Farron.
3: The Dow Jones Industrial Average up uh, 312 points today bouncing back a bit after yesterday's almost 800 point plunge.
2: Trump administration designating China as a currency manipulator in a statement the Treasury Department said that China has taken steps to devalue its currency.
3: President is uh, planning on uh, headed to El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio tomorrow to visit the scenes of the uh, the mass shootings that we saw over the weekend to talk with uh, with survivors, uh, family members of victims, and, uh, of course, politicians in the area. We just, in fact, heard from Dayton, Ohio, and the latest update on the investigation now that the FBI is going to be involved and take over in terms of looking into what prompted this guy to go up and shoot the, uh, the Oregon district known um, in that area of Dayton for its nighttime activities.
2: The governor has ruled out a 17-point action plan to try and prevent future mass shootings, kind of parting with his Republican Party in some of this. Ryan Burrow is covering the story from Dayton for us, joins us now. Ryan.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, let's start with the first conference that just wrapped up, because there was a little bit of information, nothing groundbreaking, but uh, we know now that the investigation seemingly has shifted over, over to the FBI when it comes to motivation. There is still no definitive motivation at this point, but what we're to get the agent in charge is that this gunman had been exploring violent ideologies. He was obsessed with what it was that spurred what happened in the Oregon District on Saturday night we don't know at this point that's something that they're still sifting through, but whatever evidence they have pulled, and they were not very forthcoming on that, whether it was evidence uh, via you know, letters or, or, or things that they found on the computer, um, whatever evidence they've sifted through, they've, they've come to this conclusion uh, that he was uh, exploring violent ideologies is, is the way it's, it's said. Now, that being said, they don't believe that there was any kind of racism involved in this, and, and that's not something that they believe this early in the investigation, was the uh, uh, the culprit or the, the starter of, of this shooting.
2: Also, uh, we still don't know if his sister was targeted. We know that she was one of the, the people killed, she and her boyfriend, but still they uh, haven't been able to piece together that part.
1: Exactly. And that's what's uh, a big confusing part to this. Uh, was the sister targeted and this companion? Uh, did they just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or maybe... Uh, the sister and the companion uh, inter- interrupted the brother to try to stop the shooting from happening. We don't know. That's something they're exploring right now, and that could be the roadmap as to what spurred this whole thing. Was it something that, that the sister said or did, or were they in a fight, and that uh, created this, or was this in the ma- makings even before uh, they arrived?
3: Uh, They were very tight-lipped about specifics for tomorrow's visit from the president. uh, And I haven't seen anything yet from the White House. Have you seen any new information or more information about what the day looks like for the president tomorrow?
1: No, we we have not. And uh, it's obviously frustrating as we try to set up our day for tomorrow. And every time we ask the mayor, we ask the police chief, uh, what is the plan with the president coming? Where do we need to be? Where are you going to be? Uh, They don't seem to know right now. Uh, Dayton police say that they are prepared to handle any dignitary that comes here. Shouldn't be a problem. But as far as the specifics, is the president going to meet with victims like he's done in the past? Is he going to meet with first responders? Is this going to be one event? Is he going to kind of work his way through the city? Uh, we know he's going to meet with the mayor at some point. Is this going to be a public venue or is this just going to be kind of a, a back door meeting? We don't know at this point. And from everything we gathered from officials just a few moments ago, they don't know either.
2: Have you heard any reaction uh, locally there to the governor's plan?
1: Yeah, so far uh, it seems pretty positive, at least from the officials we've spoken with. The mayor, uh, who's a Democrat, the governor is a Republican, uh, says that it's a good first step. She doesn't agree with all of these 17 points necessarily, but uh, she says they're in a lot better place right now to negotiate and talk about this than they were uh, just a few months ago when uh, uh, there were other discussions going on about about gun control and, and, and stopping these kinds of shootings. So, she seemed uh, to take it on pretty positively. Uh, we saw Congressman Mike Turner, he's the congressman for this area, uh, says that he actually supports right now uh, banning assault weaponry. His daughter was in the Oregon district uh, when the shooting was going on. So um, it'll be interesting to see if these Republicans now uh, take that back to whatever their chambers are or whoever they can influence and see if they can get movement on that uh, as we head down, uh, down the road, both at the, at the local level and at the federal level as well.
3: All right. Ryan, thank you. Appreciate your work. You got it. Ryan Burrow there with the latest out of Dayton, Ohio. And uh, that 17-point plan, of course, announced by the governor, Mike DeWine, Republican Mike DeWine. Um, One of the things I wanted to do tomorrow, somebody sent us the International Association of Chiefs of Police and their positions when it comes to issues about tightening up some, uh, some gun laws around the country. And a lot of them actually are very similar to what Governor DeWine had suggested today for the state of Ohio. And tomorrow we'll talk more about the uh, the IACP's firearms policy position statement because it might surprise you in terms of what it is that the po- chiefs of police want when it comes to arming citizens and uh, and keeping guns out of the, the wrong people's hands
2: coming back a local crime story a fugitive that was on the run for the past seven or so years has been caught he's wanted in connection with the murder of his wife in Orange County Chris Ancarlo Carlo has all the information and joins us when we come back baby
6: I just
4: wanna dance with my pretty little girl.
0: 640.
2: Doesn't Max Kellerman know that if you say anything against Kobe, you're done on the internet?
3: <laughs> you're going to get in trouble.
2: Apparently, he said uh, that Kobe should be on an all-NBA worst team.
3: Like worst person or worst player? I, I think Or worst value for player. contract or what? Oh.
2: Listen, I didn't dig into it. I just see that he's trending. And everyone is threatening his life on Twitter.
3: Oh boy. Welcome to the club. Um, one of the stories that we told you about earlier in the show today was the story of uh, Peter Chadwick. Guy wanted for killing his wife from seven years ago. Disappeared when he was supposed to show up for court one day. We have finally tracked... We... Authorities have finally tracked him down and have him back in custody
8: to face uh, face trial.
2: Chris Ancarlo is covering the story and joins us now. Where did they find this guy, Chris?
8: They found him in Pueblo, Mexico. I'm not sure what part of Mexico that is in, but it is in Mexico among a community of expats, uh, is what is described as his surroundings. And you guys can actually kind of claim a little bit of credit for it, because according to you know what we heard from law enforcement officials today it was the intense media scrutiny and also this podcast that they uh, that they launched last year that helped to kind of tighten the screws on this guy until they were able to find him. And it was a tip that came in pretty recently, we don't know exactly how recently, that led investigators on down to Pueblo Uh, and we also don't know the nature of that tip, who it came from, what what it was that they said. They just said that it was just kind of a general tip and it was enough for them to triangulate the the location of Peter Chadwick and get on down there and capture him with the help of the uh, Mexican Federal Police and then extradite him and of course it was yesterday that he he uh, flew back into LAX and in handcuffs. Tomorrow we'll uh, we'll see him in court again.
3: the uh, The original story was that he skipped town when he was supposed to. Like he'd been out on bail and he was supposed to show up for some routine hearing. Why does it take four and a half years to figure that this guy was in Mexico?
8: Well, the trail that he left for investigators, he tried to throw them off the scent by, you know, for example, purchasing things in Seattle or by it looked like booking or looking into travel toward Canada because he had family up there that perhaps he was trying to work his way up to Canada where he could disappear because he had dual citizenship between uh, the United States and the United Kingdom. And you know, if anybody's a traveler out there, it's, it, that's kind of like the golden ticket. If you have a U.K. passport and a U.S. passport, you can go anywhere in the world. And so the thought was that perhaps he would go up to Canada and try to get whatever travel documents he could, because at that point he had surrendered his documents, try to get whatever documents he could and then skip on out of, uh, of Canada to somewhere else. But it was really just kind of a fake out maneuver because it seemed as though his entire intent was to head down to Mexico. Investigators say that he was in Mexico throughout the duration of this you know, four year long and some change manhunt and uh, that he had started out living in luxury hotels because Of course, this guy was a millionaire, a multimillionaire. When he took off, he emptied his bank accounts, and uh, he was living the high life all the way up until many of these luxury hotels in Mexico started changing their policy, and you had to now show a passport in order to get a room or book a room, and that... At that point, he had to change his strategy. Ends up staying in different places and motels. He also ends up uh, kind of doing some ty- uh, side hustles, some odd jobs to supplement the amount of money that uh, he had. They didn't say whether he ran out of that money, but you know, if you're if you're doing some side hustles while you're also on the run, one could kind of draw the conclusion that that money was starting to run out and so um he's doing all that living a very different life in mexico kind of bouncing around a little bit all the way up until investigators come knocking on his door on sunday night
2: can you go through what he had said at the time what his when his wife was was missing and and there were signs that there was some sort of struggle that went on in the home
8: yeah so uh, the way this was all triggered all the way back in uh in 2012 was that um he and his wife had disappeared. A friend had called police said, hey, I'm concerned about them. They found, you know, just kind of a disheveled sort of uh, situation in the home. He ends up being found down near the mexico border and his story is that a handyman had uh, killed his wife had forced him to drive his wife's body and to dispose of it she was found in a dumpster rolled up into a carpet in san diego county and then um you know that handyman had basically forced him to go through this entire thing pretty quickly that story fell apart and you know that's when investigators went through and 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 arrested him on murder charges of his wife qc and uh um, then from there, of course, you go through all of the pre-trial uh, brouhaha that we know from all of these other stories. It's not until 2015 that he finally does abscond, and and that's when we completely lose the uh, the trail of Peter Chadwick uh, all the way up until again Sunday night when investigators were able to get down there. And it was an, it, also important, I think, today, in uh, Todd Spitzer, the district attorney of Orange County, uh, made a point of really highlighting this that. You know there is another person here at the middle of this and that's QC who was a mother and she was a wife and you know at the end of it she ends up being disposed of in a garbage dump in a uh, in a dumpster in San Diego County and, and by somebody that she implicitly trusts and loves in her husband and uh there had been perhaps some murmurs that there was a separation or a divorce coming down the pike perhaps that's a motive these are all things i think we're going to get more clarity on as now it looks as though we're going to move toward a trial uh at some point you know of course we're still very much in the preliminary stages of the uh of the legal story here do we know what happened
3: to the three kids while he's been in mexico
8: not a lot was mentioned about the the kids, and to be honest, I haven't done a lot of side research into into how they have been handling everything. One thing I do know is that investigators today made a point of saying, "Listen, like these, this family is is grieving. This is a, an important moment for them. You know, try to give them some distance and let them speak up when it, whenever it is that they want to speak up." And I think that's probably good advice. You know, I know people want to hear their story, but you know, think about having to process this. Like you're, you know, you're. This guy, Peter Chadwick, now found after years of being on the run, and you weren't ever really sure if justice would be served. And that's got to be a really bittersweet moment if you're a a family member. But uh, speaking of family members, there is some concern about whether or not Peter's family had helped him out along the way. And that is going to be, I think, the next pivot in this investigation, just seeing what sort of help he was offered by them.
2: Chris and Carlo, thank you. Great stuff.
8: Yeah, of course, guys. Yeah,
3: just a strange uh, belief that this guy was going to be able to get away with living in Mexico for so long. Yeah. Or, or may, I, I, maybe part of it is, uh, you said this yesterday when we saw the picture of him after, after he'd been captured, the look of worrying, uh, just the, the toll that that takes on your body for so long, uh, believing that you have to look over your shoulder for the rest of your life, and thankfully they got him. Yep. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Can you see
6: inside? I've
0: KFI AM six forty. Gary Hoffman, Shannon Farrah. Back to Gary and Shannon.
3: The Dow Jones Industrial Average did make back some of uh, its big losses from yesterday. The Dow closed down three hundred and twelve points at about twenty six thousand and change. Uh, After that huge sell-off from yesterday, of course, because of concerns of the ongoing uh, and very real trade war between the United States and China.
2: The FBI has opened an investigation into the shooting, the mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio, talking about the shooter's interest in violent ideology. We saw the same thing with the FBI getting involved with the Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting the head of the FBI's Cincinnati field office says they're going to try and determine what ideologies influenced this shooter, who may have helped him, why he chose that specific target of that entertainment district.
3: Not quite have I don't have any idea what to expect tomorrow. The president is going to travel to El Paso, Texas and to Dayton, Ohio uh the at least the mayor of Dayton Ohio said in her capacity as mayor she will welcome the man who is currently the president of the United States which was a very backhanded way of saying she doesn't want him there right uh some Democratic lawmakers in El Paso had also said they're not sure that they want him there but um we'll keep an eye on again we don't have an official schedule from the White House uh in any real capacity yet about what what the day would look like tomorrow hey um I wanted to tell you this as well. This Saturday, we've talked about this before. You have a chance to compete uh, in the L.A. Chargers EA Sports Madden NFL Twenty. This
2: is pretty cool. You're going to get ratings to see what, combine. yeah, what your rating is. You know, we uh, we were talking to Keenan Allen. <laughs> About his Madden rating, and he was I want him pissed. to go. I know, I know, right? <laughs> show
3: up and see what they would uh, rate him as. You can
2: test your skills on the field, get rated like the pros this Saturday at the Jack Hammett Sports Complex in Costa Mesa. Register for free at chargers.com.
3: Also a side note, uh, Brian Suits is going to be in for John and Ken today. And right after the top of the hour, we are expecting an update today. Uh, from the Robbery Homicide Division on the murder of then off-duty LAPD Officer Juan Diaz. If you remember, he was with his girlfriend and her girlfriend's brothers at a uh, taco stand in Lincoln Heights very early on a uh, Sunday morning when he was shot and killed by somebody. So uh, we'll have an update, hopefully, on maybe more than just the charges filed, if they have more information about about Officer Diaz. By the way, his memorial, I believe, is scheduled for Sunday, this coming Sunday on the 11th.
2: Brian Suits is here, as you mentioned. What else is coming up on the docket today? Well,
10: I guess Trump is going to be hitting, is, is in El Paso right now? He
3: will be tomorrow. Yeah. That's the...
10: Uh, oh, okay. I was rather counting on some live content
3: there. I think <laughs> <guess> not. <laughs> they had to cancel. It. He was supposed to be in Florida today for an event, and they yeah. canceled that, or at least oh. postponed <clears> it. Um, but I haven't, uh, we haven't seen any travel plans Yeah, we, ha- we
10: have that presser, and then we'll talk about uh, California fallout. Uh, in regards to El Paso and the shooting and what was the guy's uh, motivation, and uh, to piggyback on what Shannon was saying earlier in regards to the, the fact there's no domestic terrorism, air fingers, uh, you know, law on on the books. I had a discussion with somebody in the know, and, and he had an interesting thought. I'll pass that on. And uh, also then we're going to hit, uh, like you guys talk with Chris and Carla, we'll talk to him at 4 o'clock. And then uh, at 5 o'clock hour, I have a very folksy anecdote about what happened well, about how i spent my saturday that i've already told you two and
3: i figured i would perhaps because
10: uh, it's pertinent i thought i would pass it on to the kfi audience
3: we um we talked with steve gomez to go back to the fbi thing and, and domestic terrorism we talked with a former fbi special agent in charge yesterday about the development of an fbi program specifically looking into domestic to domestic terrorism the way that we've been concentrating on yeah. on other <clears throat> forms of you know international terrorism,
10: and and this uh, this might shock you both, but um, as as host of Dark Secret Place, believe it or not, every once in a while these guys contact me, um, and um, because because they, they they seem to think that somehow because I, I did a live show last year. At Dave and Buster's, called "How to Hide Your Guns from Gavin Newsom,"
6: <laughs> and,
10: it, and it, it killed. It did. It it, yeah. uh, it sold out, and so I get contacted by these guys from the basement of the science building, or mommy's house, or whatever, all the time about training and and the whole thing. And I've got bad news for them. I pass their names on to dudes, special agent yeah. in charge, to dudes, <laughs> and uh, and but they seem to contact me. Um, and and uh, thinking somehow that that I'm their their titular leader or something. It's, it's a really it's a bizarre thing that happens with Dark Secret Place and young men who play Fortnite or Call of Duty but don't actually want to go down and join the Marine Corps.
2: Dark Secret Place, by the way, I don't know if y'all know, is uh, the only KFI station to get or show to get in the top 100 on the iHeartRadio Radio uh, podcast. Two hundred thousand podcasts. Two hundred thousand in near number seventy-one. Yeah, I'm in the top hundred. It's pretty damn good. No, other, no other. I'm only on. Do you want to know where Gary and Shannon was on the list? No, I do okay. not. Is that one thousand? 000... <laughs> it's
3: below the Knitting Podcast, I'm sure. One hundred and
2: fifty-nine thousand six hundred and thirty-two <laughs> is where we landed. I'm
10: a, you oh, know look
3: what? at that quilt world I'm, is right above us. I'm a guy in a dark room on a
10: Saturday night beating Kiss FM. <clears throat> And hip-hop and Alt-98. There you go.
3: Literally. I'd love to see the parties Commercial where, free your-, <laughs> dance party where y- your show is being blasted.
2: Brian Suits and for cool. John and Ken coming up next.
3: We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody.
2: Blessings.
10: I'll
3: tell you what, that was pretty
10: impressive. <laughs> right?
3: Gary and Shannon.